Today on the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, it's all about co-parenting. Getting along with the other parent. Does it have to be combative? Can you find common ground? Can you put difference aside to do what's best for the children? Is it, it's not easy, but it's possible. We explore that next with my guest, Teresa Harlow, author of the book, Combative to Collaborative, The Co-Parenting Code, next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Joe Foley, and I want to thank you for being here. Hey, if it's your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Really do appreciate it. And you spending time means a lot to me. Yes, I know. I say all the time, but it really does. You spending time listening to the podcast, it's really important to me. I really do appreciate it. I'm on, I like to say I'm on a journey, just like you, trying to figure this stuff out. And especially this topic today about co-parenting. I don't know everything. I'm learning just like you. Next up, my guest, Teresa Harlow. She's off of the book, Combative to Collaborative, The Co-Parenting Code. Teresa's a um, returning guest. I've had her on, I think it was on another episode we talked about co-parenting stuff. And one thing really stuck to me is the golden rule in co-parenting. You know, the goal, remember if you're religious, it's the golden rule. Do unto all this what you want undone to you. I think that kind of relates to co-parenting and stuff like this. But some of the stuff we talked about today is about co-parenting, about communication. You know, don't be so negative to other the other parent. Do what's best for the child. What you can find in a book is stuff like recognize your own combative behaviors, examine them. How to plan for co-parenting, collaboration, and success. Almost like business transactions sometimes. I'm a co-parent myself, and I kind of relate to some of the topics we talk about today. And Teresa, she has a lot of insight on co-parenting in this um, interview. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Teresa. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me back. It's it's good to be back to see you again. And nice seeing you too. I realize time has gone by very fast. And yeah. we we last time we talked was in 2019, sometime in there on episode 68. And what I found interesting, and, and now we're in 2021, in the midst of I don't know where we are in the pandemic anymore, but we're in the, <laughs> the the second tier of it, I guess. Right. And it just time went by quick. Time goes by so quick. Yeah, kind of a whole lifetime that seems to have passed, right? And just yeah, it, it definitely seems like a whole lifetime has passed. Yeah. Well, but, Thank you much for being on the podcast, and I really do appreciate it. And, and we're going to talk about some things that mean you are, um, you have a little more experience, you want more experience than I do, but I have some experience. It's about co-parenting, co-parenting, right. and some of the ins and outs of co-parenting. Which, um, <laughs> everybody has those challenges because being a co-parent can be difficult. Yep, it sure can. And you know, everyone comes with a certain amount of baggage that they carry over from their romantic relationship with this person. You know. And so trying to navigate that and not let it interfere with the co-parenting relationship is a, is a real challenge. What has been your experience in co-parenting? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I've been a co-parent for a little over two decades now. We're at 21 years, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I've also been a step-parent for the last, I've been with the same person for the last 14 years. And so I've watched his children grow up. They're now adults and he's in a co-parenting relationship. And, and so between that and the other friends and family members that 
I know that are co-parents. I've watched the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, I've observed people that did it remarkably well and those that not quite so successful in their efforts. So I try to bring that all into this book and, and really give a very broad spectrum of experiences that people can, can relate to. Well, it's interesting too. I was reading your bio before the one you sent me over in the, through the email and stuff like that about, and the one thing that caught my eye was adapting empathetic mindset. How is that, like, how does that work in co-parenting? So I'm, I'm very curious and it really stood out to me. So it's, it's all about, you know, what the golden rule is. We talked about that in the last episode, right? Mm -hmm. It's treating someone else the way you want to be treated. And if you can like bring all of that, uh, bring that thought pattern into everything you say and do when it comes to interacting with that other co-parent you're really adopting an empathetic mindset. You're thinking about, well, how would I hear what I'm about to say? Would I want someone to say that to me? Would I want someone to do to me what I'm thinking of doing in relation to them? And so you're kind of stepping into their shoes and realizing what you're doing and how that impacts them. So that's what I mean by that. Well, it's it, <laughs> well, it interesting, too, the goal rule. I remember we talked about in the last episode in episode 68 about the goal rule. Do you know, it's like, do one to others what you want done unto you? And right. actually, I, as a co-parent myself, I always take that into my, my mind, what I say to my, my son's mother, how I treat my son's mother. And I try to be respectful because I want that same thing back. That's right. The, the reciprocation is what really can help you kind of get motivated to do it. Because it's like, what do you want? <laughs> do you want animosity back? No, right? Well, yeah, but it's also like, you, 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 hey, listen, you need a hand, I'll help you out. You need a hand, I'll help you out. Even though, you know, and also the, sometimes <laughs> communication as, a, as sometimes gets kind of breaking down, but co-parent is, is tough as it is, but it's, it's, it's treat others like you want to be treated. It's important. Right, right. But, you know, sometimes, you know, we carry, like I was saying, we carry that baggage forward from another relationship. And then that that tends to cause us to have these challenges to keep us from getting on a collaborative path. Right. So I was I was hoping maybe we could talk about overcoming three of the challenges that I really think can impact or or inhibit some uh, a couple that are trying to co-parent from being successful in that efforts. Well, yeah, three hurdles, you know, what are the three hurdles? So the anger and hurt that may be residue that you carry over from that romantic relationship, whether it's mistrust or, you know, disappointment or, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling from that romantic relationship that failed that you carry forward. Maybe you, you're getting defensive or they're getting defensive because you know one or the other feels like that, that they're out to get you or you're out to get them. And there's this distrust. And you know there's, there's always the concern of losing a child because maybe I screw up and you're gonna find out and then I'm gonna lose time with my child. So there's a lot of fear that, that surrounds it. And then um, besides the anger and the hurt and the getting defensive, then there's the, the competition factor where parents actually compete for the child's favor. Well, it's interesting to getting defensive as a co-parent yourself and, and being, I would say getting defensive when the other co-parent may suggest something, maybe ask a question, 
maybe, well, maybe you don't understand, like, and get the fence. Hey, listen, um, I didn't give Johnny a bath tonight because I we were rushing behind and um, getting angry. What did getting defensive? What did you mean by getting defensive? Because I, I think of that a little bit differently. Sure. Uh, well, so, you know, if you're constantly applying like a certain assumption to when to when someone talks to you, maybe your ex asks you a simple question like, what are you doing this weekend? And you're like, well, why are you asking me that? You, you're trying to figure out if I'm doing something wrong. And, you know, you start throwing all these, all this context out there and all these intentions that the other person maybe didn't even intend. Maybe you think they did. Maybe they did, but you have no way of knowing that. And you're creating like this hostility that, that may be all wasted energy. So, you know, you've got the person who feels defensive, like they have to protect themselves against uh, someone trying to take their parenting rights away or find them in the wrong um, to the person that has to deal with the person that is defensive and just trying to have a normal conversation can be challenging. Well, we end up like, I wanted to touch one thing about defensive too. How can somebody try to, I'd say neutralize it or like some couple of places they can meet to have important conversations that can break to maybe break down some of the barriers. So if you're the person that has a tendency to feel defensive, maybe it's, it's because you have some residual guilt that you're carrying over, or you, you were wrongly accused by an ex spouse that you did something that you really didn't think was wrong or, or that you didn't do at all. You can start by just listening to their questions and taking them at face value. You know what I mean? Like, don't add to it. (laughs) It's nothing more, nothing less than what they said and train your mind to just use the, the baseline of what they give you and don't impose other context to it. You may have to practice a bit and that's just, you know, conditioning your mind to over and over again, kind of when you, when you start to feel defensive, say to yourself the word, say it out loud if you have to, next. <laughs> and I'll tell you where that comes from. So the history behind my, my idea of using the word next, actually, I borrow that from Dr. Wayne Dyer. He's a author who's since passed, but I read tons of his books and I, I really took in a whole new way of interacting with the world and, and people around me. And he would say, when you, when you find yourself going down a path, you don't want to, and you want to change your thinking, say next, and you can shift your thinking to more productive ends. So you can literally say it out, out loud, and that will stop the defensiveness. You're starting to feel that animosity dead in its tracks. And then, you know, don't, let's say that you're right. Your ex is trying to nab you or get you or whatever you want to call it. Well, you don't have to participate in that game and it doesn't benefit you to actually do that. So you can simply just stick to the facts, not feed into to whatever they might be attempting to catch you in. And then you're not giving your power over to them and you'll stay on a more even emotional landscape for yourself. So that's for the person that feels defensive, right? Yes. Well, another thing too, is you mentioned competing, like one parent, one parent can make more money than the other parent parent that makes the most money can take them on trips when the other parent can't. Yeah. Can't match dollar for dollar. 
Yep. How how do you how do you reconcile that with differences too? Because there can be a lot of jealousy between parents, a lot of right. anger, but trying to come to come kind of um, common ground. Yeah, you know, I cover that a lot in the book too, um, throughout different aspects of, of how you um, how you interact with one another and how you show respect for each other. Look, you may have means to do far more than your child's other parent. So you have to be sensitive to what that means to both this person you're trying to have a partnership with as a parent team member and also to your child so that they have an experience that that feels equitable to them no matter where they're living. It's like it's their life, whether they're at your house or or at their other parents' house, right? So I think they're certainly you have no legal obligation necessarily, unless your courts have ordered you to do it. You have no legal obligation to provide for an equal living experience. However, if you have the means and it makes your situation better for your child and makes your partnership stronger with this member of your parenting team, then what else is stopping you, right? If it's just some, some, you know, thought, well, it's just not appropriate. Why not? You know, is it really not appropriate? And if you don't want to, I get it. Like I said, you're not obligated to, but these are strategies you can consider if you really want to build that strong bridge between you and a former spouse that's co or, or a former partner that you're co-parenting with. Well, it's also too, sometimes it, competing can also be dangerous too. It can be damaging to the kid. It can. And I mean, it runs various levels, right? You've got the really innocent, like competing where just someone has a personality type where they just have to keep up with the Joneses or they want the child to like them. I hear this one a lot. Well, yeah, my, my ex, she just wants the kids to be friends with her. Well, the downside to that is, of course, the child starts to see the parent not as an authority figure, but as their friend. So when it comes to having to impose some type of authority, they're not going to be as inclined to listen to them in that way, right? Keeping up with the Joneses, as you just mentioned, you know, another parent may not even be able to do that and they may not even agree with it, right? So a partnership is just that. No matter whether you're together you know, in, in a romantically tied relationship, you are tied as parents and you should be collaborating on major purchases for a child and making sure that that child has reasonable living conditions. And if you're going to agree to have different living conditions, discuss how you're going to explain that to the child so that it, it makes sense and that no one has to get hurt in the process. Well, the interesting thing too is I want to talk about is, you know, anger and hurt. And, and sometimes in the past, it's hard to get over. And sometimes it can, it can bleed over into co-parenting. Sure can. What are some ways to try to push that away? Try to get, I see you never, it, in every divorce and divorce and separation, family, break of family, it can be difficult. It yeah. can be different both sides, but sometimes you got to put the kid first and what the, what's the needs of the kids and deal with the other issues after, you know, yourself or yeah. your, your co-parent. But how are some ways to deal with the hurt and anger? Well, this one might be, um, this one might blow your mind. Okay. Cause I tell you what I had, I had given my old book to a friend 
and asked him to read it and give me his opinion of it. And, you know, um, I told him I was going to write another book and, and I was just trying to bounce some ideas off of him. And, you know, he read my book, uh, Happily Divorced. And then he says to me, you know, this is a great story, Teresa. And I really admire the fact that you could do that with your ex. My ex and I could have never done it that way. No <laughs> way. And so it, it got me thinking and, and I said, well, tell me why, tell me more. Why is it you don't think it would have worked for you? He said, well, we, we just couldn't get past the anger. We couldn't get past how hurt we were by each other to even think of collaborating in the way that you guys described it. And he said, how do you do that? I thought, okay, you've really laid the gauntlet down for me. Now I'm going to take that one away and I'm going to work on it. And I'm going to come back with something. So I took it away and I added a whole section to my book. It's the third section of combative to collaborative stage three, correcting course. And are you ready for this? <laughs> a big idea. Seriously, stop trying to fix your failed romantic relationship. You're focused what? on the wrong thing. I never heard that's that's interesting. Why well, and it may sound oversimplified, but but really, you don't need to fix that. In fact, you've already decided you're not going to fix that because the two of you have parted, assuming there's no reconciliations that are underway, right? Mm -hmm. but, but let's say that's beyond behind you, um, you know, and not a possibility. So you've already decided we're going to part. Okay. We are parted. Stop, stop focusing on that then and start focusing on what you do want. What do you want? You want to be good parents. You want to raise a child that is well-adjusted, that enjoys their childhood, that enjoys being with each of you. It's how would somebody change, shift their focus? I mean, say it, it seems so simple, but how can somebody shift their focus? Well, I mean, it's behind you, right? You don't have to like each other. You don't have to forgive one another and you don't have to apologize or receive an apology in order to be a good parent. None of those three things are prerequisites to being a good parent. So if you literally just say, you know, look, okay, I know we failed. Let's not deal with that. Let's move that to the side, move it to the side. Let me focus on being a good parent. What does that mean to me? I don't need to like this person. It's more of a business relationship, if you will, um, if that helps you to get there. Now, a lot of people say that, and I, I kind of, I'm a little torn on that. I have to feel a little more personally invested in, in this kind of relationship for it to be this, you know, this way. Well, nothing about tube is communication. Sometimes couples can get defensive and, you know, it, my worst thing, and I, I'll give it, maybe my, my, my former spouse, my son's mom listens. I don't think she does, but she does. She'll understand what I'm saying is text messages, texting back and forth when there is mm. an issue. Yeah. Like, um, did you have dinner tonight? Well, yeah, just drop them off. Um, you, it's four o'clock. I didn't feed me. I'm sorry. Or getting, sometimes people get sent text messages when they don't want to confront you or right. talk about a problem. And I think sometimes, especially being co-parent, I think sometimes it needs a phone call. It needs oh, a phone yeah. call or, or in-person conversation. You know, I'm a big advocate of, of actual conversation, and I know it runs opposed to how the world has gone. But look, 
you don't have any of that nonverbal communication at your disposal to help to provide the context and to provide the tone. I mean, you're imposing again, remember how I talked about imposing context. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect setup for it right there. If you're going to text the other person applies whatever tone and inflections in the voice that they hear in their mind. And that may not be how you intended it to be received. Well, it's also be also be feel accusing. It can feel negative. Yeah. And it may not be that way. And when the other side of the person talking about, but the person receiving the message, can you listen? I'm I'm being attacked. And then they're right. gonna go on, they're gonna go on the offensive and right. it can be nasty exchanges. Yeah, I do, I do recommend you know, talking directly. Now, if, if you're incapable and there are couples that are former couples that are incapable of having the conversation and they, they uh, deploy these strategies like parallel parenting, where they don't actually talk, they do everything through text. And then it's recorded maybe in our family wizard, you know, an application that, that they use for all capturing all their co-parenting stuff um, for, for that you can go to, you can go a long way in remedying that loss of context by providing additional detail in a text message. Look, I'm sorry, but it's just going to be more taxing for you. If you choose this route, you're going to have to write more words <laughs> in order to avoid the assumptions being laid in there by the other person. Right. Yeah, well, that's true. It's true about defensive and people get defensive communication because communication is so important in co-parenting. And sometimes Absolutely. you try to make it positive, but sometimes it can be very difficult because people <laughs> take things the wrong way. That's right. But also be like, feel like being wrongly confused, accused. And then um, for some parents who'd feel defensive and stuff like that, how do they deal? How do they deal with each other? I mean, um, the person who feels defensive just, they, they really just need to stick to the facts, right? Don't, don't add in layers of, of meaning that the person never put there. If you're, if you're not sure what they meant, ask questions, ask, clarify, ask them to clarify themselves, right? Ask them to spell it out. If you think that maybe they meant something negative, Ask them if that's what they meant. You know, it's interesting that my um, ex and I, as I wrote the previous book, we had to do some of that. He actually said, hey, what did you mean by that? Did you really mean for it to sound like I was a jerk right there? And I was like, oh, no, uh -uh, <laughs> no. I, and even if I did, let's let's figure out another way to make the point without doing that. <laughs> You know, so even still after two decades, we're still doing that. Well, it's interesting to try to keep the conversation on like a conversation between the um, two co-parents and stuff like that, trying to keep the conversation to the topic. And some parents can take the conversation to another situation. Like my, yep. kind of like uh, my, my, my boss says in my, my job, he says, don't muddy the water. Keep right. it to the point. Once you start throwing the old stuff in or this thing in that direction, you muddy the water. What's some, maybe some way to keep the conversation to the point? Well, you know, people tend to bring up the past, right? And you can just remind them that, well, I appreciate that you 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 want to bring that back into this conversation. I'd really like to focus on, you know, what we're handling right now. If we want to talk about that other thing, let's let's do that, but let's not 
you know, confuse matters right now and what we're trying to, to get to and, and just try to keep the narrow focus on a specific situation. Does that help? Yeah, that helps too. Yeah. I think because sometimes it can get, goes off in all kinds of directions. It can make well, a lot I think of the thing is, you know, giving them an, giving them a, a way to, to know you're not just ignoring them or blowing them off. Right. Because they want to be heard. There, there's this other thing nagging at them. It's back mm-hmm. here nagging at them. And that's why they can't move on to the other topic. So you got to give them like a parking lot to put that in. They even use that term in business, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like someone will be, you'll have a big business meeting and someone throws out something that's completely off topic. And you're like, okay, that's a good idea, but it's got to go over in the parking lot. And they make this list over in a corner, but they come back to that list later. So the person doesn't feel like they just got ignored and, and that, you know, no one cared about their idea or whatever it was that was important to them. And you can do the same with your co-parent. You know what? I think what you're talking about right now is really important and we need to handle that. But can we first just get through this piece of our conversation and then let's come back to that? Well, another thing about co-parenting too, and I think it's a really important topic to discuss a little bit is not talking bad about the other co-parent. I mean, we may have discussed this before, but I noticed before we got on the call tonight for the interview and stuff like that, I was watching TikTok videos about co-parenting and some, and, and so many people are so mean. I'm not saying that mean, but vicious to the other co-parent. It makes me wonder um, what their situation's like. Well, I, I don't know how they would expect anything other than hostility to come back to them. You know, if that's the way they're treating the other person, because it, it's karma, right? It yeah. just what what you put out there comes back to you. And I don't think people stop to think that are doing that. Stop to think about the fact I, I've said it a couple of times during this podcast. It, you're a team. Look, you may have decided to not be together, but you're still both part of your child's family. That will never change. So. You know, if you don't like that, sorry, you're already in it. It it just is how it is. So you are part of your child's family. Both of you are. Well, it's interesting too. They don't realize, hey, dad's um, a jerk or dad's um, new girlfriend's um, something else. And that affects the child. Long-term that affects the child because it does does affect the child long-term. Well, it, it can really be manipulative, honestly. It's like you're imposing an opinion on them that you now they feel kind of like pressured to adopt, right? Because you're supposed to be this authority figure to them. And is that going to make them adopt an attitude toward this other person that they're only doing that to make you happy? Or do you want them to actually form their opinion based on their own heart and how they interact with the person? Well, sometimes like parents put their own issues or problems about the divorce or the marriage ahead of their own own child's needs and their relationship with the other parent. Yeah, I think we have to remember we're the adults in the room, right? You have to be the adult in the room. Well, another thing too is um, parent alienation. Um, alienation. Alienation. I don't know if I said that right, but I always mess that up. But that, that's a big issue right now in, in the world right yeah. now. Parents. I, I mean, I'm I'm a child. I mean, I, I met I admit this last time, but I am a child of that. My mom to my dad. Hey, listen, your dad is this, that, and this. You don't have to. You don't have to say you're even part of that family. 
but the damage wow. that does to kids long term. Yeah. So you were you were alienated from your other parent? I in the beginning, yes. My mother, my brother would go my mother, my brother would go my dad. I would stay with my mom, and my mom would totally trash my dad. <laughs> oh wow. So my 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 relation with my dad doesn't exist. He's still alive, but he doesn't exist. Jeez, that's too bad. Yeah, I mean, well, you're a perfect example of how cruel that is, right? To to both the parent and to you. Uh, I don't know if it was justified or not justified, but your your mom unilaterally decided that for both of you, and I just don't I I don't think that that's the right way to go about it. Look, there's there's certain extreme circumstances where you know maybe there's abuse involved and. and the the parent is protecting the child from actual danger. I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Um, you know, in those cases where there is a true danger, seek legal help immediately and remove yourself from the situation and do what you have to do. I get that. But in circumstances where you simply want to eject the other person from your child's life because you've decided that they're not good for them. That's, that's not, actually, it's not even legal for you to do that. I actually know no less than four parents whose children have been alienated from them at some point, you know, some were temporary situations where uh, a parent took off out of state. This was three of them. Parents took off out of state with the, uh, with the child or children and set up residence somewhere else. I mean, they intended to leave forever, right? And the other parent hired private investigator to go track them down and force them to come back uh, to the state where they lived. And I know of another one that was a full-on abduction. And, you know, it was three months where this mom didn't know where her son was. You know, this is, terrifying a child sitting there wondering where the other parent went and you only have one side of the story to go on and whatever this person decides to tell you and if that's found out to not even be true later well then you've really hurt your relationship and damaged your trust that they would have in you because you've misled them you've you've deceived them but I think the hurt also extends beyond that parent and child. I mean, what about the grandparents that were impacted by this? What about aunts, uncles, cousins? I mean, all of those family members that may have otherwise had a connection and a relationship with that, that child or those children lose out on that. And, and so do the children. What almost makes the other, the parent that's doing the alienation, alienating, I'm not sure the word again, alienating, is yeah. the one who's causing... And in the end, the parent, the kid's going to be angry with the parent that caused yeah. that problem. Probably, probably. And, and it, you know, it, it's tragic. And there are other ways you can go about if you really feel like someone shouldn't be in your child's life, then take the legal route and prove it. Well, it's interesting too. I was a while back. I mean, when you flip through videos on YouTube or maybe Facebook or stuff like that, I remember seeing a Judge Judy video about two parents um, going through a custody battle and um, one the father just wanted to see the kid had spent time with the kid. Mother's like, feel like she owns the kid. And, yeah. and you see that all the time. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's very hard. Sometimes it's really hard to watch. 
I, I've seen that. You know, it's it's very manipulative. Like the parent wants to control every aspect of the child's life, maybe down to what they wear every day and how they do their hair, whatever. And, and that's just a, a personality type, right? Mm -hmm. And it it then feeds into whatever this co-parenting relationship is. I've seen parents that are like that, that will decide on a whim. No, I'm going to withhold visitation. They may not call it that. They may just say, oh no, um, you know, Joe needs to stay with me this weekend because he's got schoolwork that we need to, uh, I need to help him with, you know, and, and lots of manipulative sorts of things like that, or, you know, crazy stuff like, planning family vacations that run opposed to the other parent's birthday or the child's birthday every year. I, I dated a guy where his, um, his daughter's mom would plan for them to be out of town on Father's Day every single year. So he never got to spend Father's Day with his daughter. And it's like, you did that on purpose <laughs> every single year. Come on. Well, it's interesting too, and, and and sometimes it's just heart it's heart wrenching to hear the stories about the the kid reuniting with their dad or their mom after 20, 20 yeah. years or fifteen years, and right. they and, and they never and the kid never knew what happened. Right. So look, you know what? I really want to make sure I, I get this out there. So this new book, Combative to Collaborative. When I started writing it, I have to be honest. I was writing it like it was for the person that was combative. I was saying, hey. This is the kind of thing you're doing and you need to stop it. Here's what damage it does and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as I was reading it and another person was reviewing it, they said, and it's, this was before you even got your early review of the book. Uh, they were like, you know, I like where you're going with this and, and stuff, but my ex isn't going to read it. I, I need help. <laughs> They're not going <laughs> to read it. They're the combative one. And I'm like, Oh, Okay. So, so in the book, I added a whole lot more content and, and recommendations to say, okay, if you're a person that's prone to this type of behavior, here's what you, you can work on. And if you're the person that's victim to someone that does this, here's how you can diffuse and, and redirect this type of hostility to create a better situation for your parenting. And, and so I, I work to give both sides and both perspectives on that. Well, I'm, as I, like I said, I had an early copy and I did read it and stuff like that. And um, I thought as an experienced um, co-parent, I found it very helpful and useful information. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, also, where, where they can find the book, when, when they can be released. Yes, so it's coming out September 15th, so very shortly. And it'll be on Amazon and then it actually will be distributed into retail by Ingram distribution. So if you are someone that shops at a certain store and you don't see it, ask them for it. They can get it. Um, but it'll be out there on September 15th in both paperback and ebook. I'm also going to have a really fun virtual uh, book launch on that day. And I'm going to have that information on my website at TeresaHarlow.com. So you can sign up to attend it. It's free, but I'll do some book signings. I may have some entertainment, you know, if I can coerce my musician's son to perform, maybe he'll do something for me, but I want to make it fun and do some giveaways. 
Well, links will be in the show notes for that. Um, then when all that information will be in the show notes for that up for this episode yeah. and for your your book launch and stuff like that. Final thoughts? Anything you want to leave about co-parenting, collaborating, working yeah. together with co-parents? You know what? And I might have said this at the end of the last episode, but it's really what I feel is is a lot of people think they can't do this. They think, oh, I've got this issue or I've got that problem or we just hate each other or whatever. <laughs> and and I would say, unless you've already tried it, and, and even if you've already tried it, you, you should still never give up on the idea. Don't give up on the idea and don't say like, well, I just got to do this until they're grown. I was thinking that and then I realized, oh, then there's going to be, you know, college, then there's going to be <laughs> weddings, then there's going to be grandkids and you're going to be facing off with or interacting with this person in some way or another for a long, long time. And you, you want to have the best possible scenario so that you can get the most happiness out of your parenting um, experience. Also, I forgot to ask where they can connect you. They want to reach out to you for any, um, ask any questions. Yes. So my website is teresaharlow.com. And if you misspell it, I've got a couple of those. It'll redirect you, but it's <laughs> T-E-R-E-S-A-H-A-R-L-O-W.com. And also you can find me on social media. I'm Teresa Harlow, one, two, three on Twitter and Facebook, and then just plain old Teresa Harlow on LinkedIn. Well, Teresa, thank you much for being on the podcast. And I really do appreciate it. All links will be in the show notes for this episode. I really appreciate you spending time. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. I'd love to be back. Wrapping up the episode, I want to thank Teresa Harlow for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about her over at TeresaHarlow.com. The time of this recording is September 13th, and her book release on September 15th. And on the 15th, she's having a virtual book launch. If you head on over to ResearchHollow.com, you can register for the book launch. There'll be some entertainment. There'll be some book signings. There'll be a panel about co-parenting. Because, you know, there's always good. More, more information is always good. It's also, be some. I think there'll be some giveaways, too, and stuff like that. So check it out at ResearchHollow.com and the book launch. You can find all links for this episode over at NoSittingOnTheSideline.com slash one. Seven. Hey, please reach out, leave a comment if you have any questions, or I just want to say hello. I like to hear your comments and I like to know you're out there. You can find all my contact information at no sitting on the sideline.com slash contact. Hey, final thoughts. I mean, this is a kind of a topic kind of hits on a little bit. Co parenting It's not easy. Divorce can be, doesn't have to be, but it's kind of be, it is adversarial. I remember going through a divorce. The attorney said it's adversarial in nature. Because, well, you know, end of a relationship, you know, the, the marriage ended. But you have a child and, and you got to kind of work things out. And I know we talked about during the interview, we talked about how it doesn't end when they turn 18. You're going to see this person the rest of your life in some form. So it's either you can be negative and be mean to each other or try to make the best of it and try to get along and do what's best for the child. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell them how much you love them. And I do really do appreciate you. And thank you for listening. God bless. Take care. See ya.